Hello and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday. How was your weekend, Ben? Did you have a good, nice weekend? Uh, yeah, I, uh, it, was, it was pretty solid. I basically spent it recovering and, and sleep time from, from my House of Cards binging, but, uh, but it was pretty good. How was yours, Liz? Uh, great. I didn't watch House of Cards. Uh, I've, I've watched a few episodes, but uh, no, I had a pretty relaxing time. I spent some time uh, with, I did, basically did some one-on-one focus grouping with one of our more loyal listeners. Uh, hi, Mom. Uh, and <laughs> she provided a lot of important feedback uh, about the podcast and television and all sorts of fun stuff. And also, we, we went on a cruise. It was fun. Uh, Wait, are there any changes we need to make? Is there anything I need to do differently than I've been doing? No, you just keep on being your wonderful self. I think we just need to talk more about The Amazing Race. Oh, well, I mean, I can try. I haven't seen, <laughs> I haven't seen The Amazing Race in probably eight years, but I can, I mean, I can make something up. I'm, I'm, by the way, my mom is up to date on all of, all the other great shows, so it's it's not <laughs> that it's not House of Cards, you know, except for House of Cards. Actually, in fact, mom asked me a question uh, earlier uh, during this weekend that is kind of a kickoff for what we want to talk about today, which is House of Cards, uh, because she stopped watching in season two because she just didn't think uh, she she was you know she didn't like the season two premiere because something really mean happened in it. And that's completely fair. Uh, and so she was like, should I check it out again? And I was like, I will talk to Ben about that. So Ben, what do you think? Oh, that's an, I mean, that is an, that is a fascinating question because I don't feel like anything as dramatic or as dramatically evil has happened since that event. Yeah, so I, that's, I, I'd want to say yes. Okay. So, I mean, to, to kind of broaden this out a little bit, this is, uh, Ben has watched the whole first season, the whole fourth season, rather, of House of Cards. Both of them, yeah. Yeah, I have seen, uh, yeah, you've seen all the seasons. You've seen all <laughs> the House of Cards. I, meanwhile, uh, I'm on episode four, I think, uh, kind of casually watching. I'm, I'm casually watching House of Cards for the first time in my life. Because every other season prior to this, I have binge viewed it as fast as I could in the first 24 hours. So we're not, a we're not going to have any real spoilers to discuss beyond probably what happened in season three. And two, we have a legit uh, difference of opinion, a difference of perspective on this issue. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to note that we have done a complete switcheroo in our normal tactics of, of watching House of Cards, and I mean. A lot of TV, really. I, I usually like to take my time. I think in our first episode, when we talked about True Detective, we talked about kind of how to watch it and how I think everybody should be watching that kind of one at a time. It's not a show that should be binged. It's not a show that you should you know, speed through. You really need to take your time and appreciate it. And I definitely feel the same way about House of Cards, which is an interesting contrast, at least in one regard, because House of Cards is definitely constructed to be binged. Like, if you watched the end of season three and started up in season four, you're not going to notice a lot of differences. You're not going to notice a, a very strong tonal change. Um, and it seems to try to lull you into doing that and to just keep going with it um, as at whatever pace you so desire. But I do think that because it's just so artfully made, like even, even the third season, which a lot of people, including myself, were a little bit 
disappointed in. There's still a lot of things to admire within it. There's, I mean, the performances, obviously, but the construction of it, um, some of the implications. There's, there's, there's various things within the writing and the structuring of it um, that are that are layered and that that go about the presentation of the show in a in a very fascinating way like if you just wanted to look at how the show was constructed so i do think that uh, it's good to to go about these kind of one at a time but that being said after binging all of season four in about oh god i mean it was less than 24 hours or maybe just over 24 hours because we had some screeners but uh, i really i thought season four was terrific i thought it was very well done interesting and i think by the way uh it's gonna be i this is why i'm excited to actually do the opposite of what I usually do and take my time with it just to find out like how much of that perspective comes from binging. I mean, because I think the thing with binging in general is that you do gloss over occasionally. You, you, when, you, when you consume it as an entire experience, that does mean that sometimes you, you do kind of miss, not miss, but care less about certain details like because they don't have time to kind of stick in your craw and you know, gnaw at you. Yeah, and it's I mean it's constructed that way because obviously if you're binging something, you like it enough to keep watching. So this is very me- much a, a a mechanism a, a mode of watching television that's made for modern audiences because if they like it, they can just keep going for as long as they want, and if they don't like it, they shut it off because they think it's bad, and that's the end of the discussion. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the reasons why House of Cards has always been such a pioneer in that binging in, in the binging model, and I think it's to what you just said, is uh, when if you like it, you want to keep going with it. And, and specifically with, with when you're binging a show, what you like is the tone, and you like this world that you've been diving into, like emotionally. Uh, there's a real, like the idea of like, House of Cards has always been so specific and how in its tone and it's, you know, from the cinematography to the pacing to the, just the music. The music I think is actually really important because that's what gets stuck in your head on a auditory level and that's what like you you binge three episodes and then you go to work the next morning and that's what's stuck in your head oh yeah absolutely and those i mean the opening titles which we've discussed before uh they they leave an impression one way or the other so. i still but by but that being said ben after at episode 13 weren't you very sick of buildings no, I wasn't. I wasn't. You still were watching the whole opening sequence, even when you got hit episode thirteen of your binge. Uh, be honest. I think I think I probably skipped a couple, but usually, I usually I kept watching. Usually I watched all of it. I, I think maybe for two or three episodes I might have skipped the titles because I knew I was trying to meet my own deadline to get the review up. Um, but I was never. I was never. You know annoyed by them. It was, it was always an intro that I feel does a great job at setting that tone. And when you are kind of in the middle of it and you're kind of in that zone where you just want to be in the House of Cards world, like you mentioned, I think that title reinforces that. I think those opening credits reinforce that very well. But okay. we've, uh, we've disagreed on this before. So <laughs> not, a, not a whole point in getting too far in, down that rabbit hole. Easily one of our top five most Fierce arguments is over, <laughs> is over is it was over the House of Cards uh, opening credit sequence, which you know there we could have been arguing about politics I suppose. Um, meh, meh, yeah. So uh, in terms of so in terms of the in terms of your binge, uh, I'm curious like how many can can you recall like episode specific moments or is everything kind of a big mushy blur to you? 
Uh, well, I will say I, I can definitely remember specific moments and, and like certain scenes stand out above other scenes. Pretty much anything with Ellen Burstyn, uh, Burstyn and Cicely Tyson always oh my just God. Yes. amazing. Um, but what I liked about the season actually was how it was, it almost felt like it was broken into two seasons. It had very definitive arcs going on for maybe the first six, I think it's six episodes, and then the last seven. Um, they were... They weren't, you know, separate. It's still obviously the same show, but what was trying to be accomplished pretty much ended, and then it started over again. Like they had that the arc was there, and I admired that construction of it uh, even throughout the binge. Well, that's actually really interesting because of how we got sent six episodes in advance, correct? Right. So yeah. That split happens out. right at the at the point where press were no longer able to watch. Absolutely, and it's not a huge. It's not a huge change, but in terms of kind of how the early reviews that came out of the people who only reviewed the, the first six episodes, what they reviewed is almost a whole thing unto itself. It's it's not the whole season, but it is, uh, I mean, I, you could call it kind of like Mad Men. You could say it's season 4A uh, of, of House of Cards, and then that's that's very much its own thing. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's in gentle listener, that, that is, of course, something always pay attention for. Uh, good reviews do this as they specify when they are reviewing like an entire season of a show or theoretically when they're pres- presuming to review an entire season of a show check to see what how many episodes they've actually watched because that's something that can really affect uh, the grade of a review it can affect uh, how much how well informed the review is and in general like you know the better the better more comprehensive reviews are the ones that come after you've seen at least at least three or four episodes, sometimes even the whole season. Yeah, and that's not always up to the to the critic. You know it's how many they very get rarely up to the critic. <laughs> I mean, it should it, 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 for good critics. It's very rarely up to the critic. A good critic should watch the entire as much as humanly possible. Right, right, and and what's interesting in the case of of this specific show of House Cards season four is is to me that that arc in and of itself is somewhat complete. So I would expect pretty positive reactions no matter what to the entire season uh you know for those reviews as well as the people who you know finished it and saw the second half but um but yeah it's interesting that they decided to split it there for the early press reviews cuz especially what what's interesting to me too is that going back to season 3 one of the feelings that I was left with after watching season three was that it was very redundant. Like they brought up a lot of issues, they settled those issues, and then they came back, and then they settled them again. They kind of repeated a lot of the same things, and and that was frustrating. It made the season in and of itself feel a little bit messy um, as I was going through it one by one. But this season, and and perhaps it is the binge, but this season felt very connected. It felt very fluid, moving from one episode to the next. Uh, what they were trying to accomplish with those two very separate, deliberate arcs were very well defined, uh, you know, from the from the get go. And I wasn't as let down with the ending of it and where they ended it. Um, I kind of had a, I felt like I was on better footing throughout, knowing what to expect, as well as uh, being satisfied with the way that they paid off on those promises. Uh- do you, if you had to, you know, death is not an option. Which is what? What do you think is better, the first half or the second half? Oh, second half. Okay, so that's good to know. Man, yeah, that's tough. I, I'm, I, I, 
I, that's based mainly on just the moments that flock to my head immediately. But yeah, I'd probably go with the second half. Okay. I mean, uh, that, that, that actually makes me really excited because I, I like a good back half of a season. Uh, well, what's, your been, what's been your kind of general response so far to the four episodes you've seen? Like kind of on the slower pace, as you mentioned, this is not how you're used to watching House of Cards. Yeah. Do you feel like that's affected it and, and just, you know, the general response to it? I mean, in general, I find, I, I mean, admittedly, I'm watching, I, I, I just, I'm watching more in chunks. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think my response so far is, this is very pleasant, but I'm not sure where it's going. And that, it, and, and taking my time with it, I think I'm going to find myself wondering a lot more, like, what will happen with this character or that character. I'm loving uh, Cicely Tyson and Ellen Burstyn. Like, I think they're fantastic, and it's so exciting to see them. Uh, it's, it's so exciting to see this show, which has always had kind of, like, a weird masculine energy, really actually bring in some really strong, oh, strong female characters. I'm sorry. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> but, but it's not technically a trope in this case. And actually, I mean, in general, House of Cards has never been a show that struggled to find, like, interesting female stories within its structure. I love Molly Parker's character, and I always have. Oh, she's uh, terrific. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, Robin Wright is is the equal to to Kevin Spacey's Frank Underwood. But uh, but yeah, this this season in particular, I remember seeing a review, a headline somewhere that described it as the season of women or, or the season House of Cards, you know, makes itself about women. Um, and it, it's there's a strong argument to be made for that in, in that there are so many dynamic female voices in the mix and they're the ones really pushing the story forward more than Frank, like more than more than Kevin Spacey's character. Yeah, and I think it, so far what I've seen is, is, is what's interesting is that he's he seems like in almost a reactive place more than yeah. active, and I, I'm wondering how much that'll change because I feel like first season he was there was the first season was so full of schemes and you know yeah. him making choices and pushing people in certain directions and doing things to other people like I mean it, it, in good ways and bad ways like I I think it's it, it's it's interesting that the more power he, he's gotten as a character, the less he's actually been able to do. Yeah, and I, I, that relates very strongly to how I feel about the season as a whole because I don't think this is going to be anyone's favorite season of House of Cards. It's not what it used to be. And, and those first couple of seasons were really about kind of those moments that you know, the, specifically the moment your mom stopped watching, like right. when that stuff happened, that's what got people really excited. That's what got them talking, and and it was, it was melodramatic. It was a soap opera on a lot of levels. It was grand soap opera. It was very well made, well constructed drama. But in its core, it was about you know the twists and the schemes and the gasps and the and you know all of the the thrills that would go into this kind of stuff. And as he gained more power, he didn't necessarily need to be scheming or they set him up in a way where he didn't necessarily need to be doing the same things. And that made him more reactionary as well as him, you know, being the president, he's got more responsibilities to deal with. So that makes him more reactionary as well. Um, and that's not, it hasn't gone away from that entirely in season four, but it's a, it's a different show. It's not quite as reliant on the melodrama. Ben, I've, made it 15 minutes without asking you this very important question. Okay. Is there crazy sex stuff in this season? Uh, 
Oh, no, the answer's no, isn't it? There, I don't think anyone would necessarily describe it as crazy sex stuff. There There's nothing is with a plastic bag. No. No, Damn actually. It. I remember after I finished my binge, I was poking around uh, looking at like just the random House of Cards stories that were up, and I saw some of the stuff. I was like, oh, man, yeah, I forgot just how crazy that's a great word. How crazy the the sex life was on House of Cards. Even in season three, it was pretty nuts. And no, there's nothing like that. There's they definitely go to a Wait, place. It's even there's even stuff. less crazy sex stuff than season three. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Canceled. Yeah. And Canceled that's the this thing. show. I know it's it's a very different show, and, and I I feel like it's really trying to take itself very seriously in this new season. And there's still some stuff where people will, you know, you could. You could not roll your eyes, but you could have an extreme reaction to it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's very good. It's very well made, and it's very deliberate. And the focus of it is incredibly admirable, to say the least. As is, I just got to say this again. As is the fact that this cast, it's huge. This is just ballooned into one of the the biggest casts on television. I'd put it up there with you know Game of Thrones and some other random. I mean, they bring in. So many new characters, and they bring back so many old characters for this season, and they're so well integrated into the pacing of the story as a whole, and they never seem to distract from, you know, Frank and Claire's, you know, A stories. They they really only enhance them. I was just... I was impressed. I was very impressed. No, I love that, and especially because that's this is a show that has always done a really good job of finding like great character actors who just haven't gotten enough work. Like the actor who plays Remy, uh, whose name I'm blanking, not so much blanking on, is not totally sure. I, he's he shortened it since his earlier day, his, his early the earlier days of his career, and I apologize because it is a, it's a great name. I just never am, never am sure I'm saying it correctly. Anyways, yeah. the actor playing Remy. Uh, I have been a huge fan of his since uh, the 4400 on the USA Network and yeah. the early aughts. Uh, and, he, uh, you know, he's stellar on this show. And it's it's always great when he, like, to see actors like him get a real, like, great meaty role like this. Yeah, and there's there's a few moments like that. And I think that speaks to how well Bo Willimon did integrating these characters into the season. Because you see your favorite people and... The ones you you know you hope to have some moments with, you get those moments. You don't feel shorted. You don't feel like you know they were just trotted out there for no reason, or to so people could say you know so and so came back, or so and so you know was was written in so they could have this actress or, or actor or whatever. Um, they all get really great moments in the sun, and they they pay off really really well. Hooray! No, I mean it's yeah. I you've got. I mean here's here's my question for you after the binge. What was your mood? Because I, I from my from my past binges with House of Cards specifically, I get I you know, you get in your head, you get kind of cynical, you get kind of mean almost. I don't know. Maybe that's just my experience. Maybe <laughs> well, I'm also a cynical mean person. It could also be that. No, that's that's definitely not it, Liz, unless you're just a master at hiding it and never act on it. Um, my mood was pretty well defined by the final moments of the season, which, I mean, I don't know how many of you have actually seen, and I'm obviously not going to spoil. Um, but it was pretty much, fuck yeah. Like, I was just, I was, <laughs> I was really, really into it at that point. Wow. Very excited. You're and, launched, launched out of the cannon, ready to go. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I am, I am more than ready for season five. So, uh, and I, I, I don't know. I, I'll someday, maybe when we're comfortable with the, with the timeline presented to people to have seen it and, and not worry about spoilers, I would love to talk openly with you about, about the last few actions of this season. No, that sounds great. I have to watch it. Of course. I know. I know. Exactly. But, But, you know, I, no, I sound, that's, I actually thought the end thought the end of season three uh, was really solid as well. Like I think it, it took a little it took a little time to put those pieces into place, but once you got to that point, it was like, oh, yeah, I I we season four needs to happen because I need to know what what what's happening next with this and like because this is clearly a season's worth of material in this in this conflict. Yeah, and what I would say for me, season three had earned that ending very well. It was a great, you know, classic house cards, cliffhanger kind of ending. Um, made you very excited to see what's coming next. The only thing that undercut it was that they'd earned that ending long ago, and then they seemed to have stalled to reach the 13-episode max. Like, they kind right. of made it a little redundant. I don't feel like this is the case here, and I don't feel like you will necessarily know what's going to happen at the end of it before it's happening. So that's another kind of exciting part. Like, season three... You didn't necessarily know that that she was going to leave, but you felt, you know, throughout the season that that was a strong possibility, and for them to end on that wasn't a huge surprise. This one is not—it's not something that necessarily comes out of nowhere, but it's a—it's a ballsy move. Oh man! So I think ultimately what you're saying is that Bill, Bo Willimon should be happy with how he how he came together. Yeah, and and like or how the, how, how he's how he's going out rather I should say. Right, right, and and you know it's it's. I'm not, you know, broken up that he's leaving because I think he is a very talented writer and I'd like to see him work on more projects. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I hope that this show can hold together in the way that he has done for those, for at least, you know, three out of the four seasons uh, and, and continue in the form in which he's left it now. Because, yeah, he, sh- he should be very proud of everything that he was able to accomplish. And, you know, even, even bringing in all of those characters, again, not to harp on this too much, but... Um, even bringing in all of this, you know, this this massive cast, it's like a, it's like he do what he wanted to do before he left. He wanted to, you know, have a moment with each of these characters that he's helped create and establish, and and you know, spend a lot of time with, and he really did them some great service. So, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss him, but uh, you know, hopefully season five can keep going. Well, the new showrunners have been previous have been announced. Uh, it's a uh, it's a man and a woman, and they're both. They both. Are, they join the cast. Join the writing staff as senior writers in, I believe, season three. Yeah, they're pretty. Yeah, they're they're they've been around, but not since the start. Yeah, I mean, they came about at the time when all the crazy sex stuff went away. So <laughs> perhaps perhaps I have a beef with them. I need to. I don't. I don't. I don't want to sound like a crazy pervert or anything. I just always especially in the middle of a binge, like having a crazy sex scene pop in always amused the crap out of me. It just, it also woke me up a little bit. Uh, so I, I've always been, I've always had a fondness in my heart for the weird stuff that they would try on that show. Yeah. They really went there. Uh, they, they've gone, they've gone to some places that have not been explored on television. So that's admirable. Is there at least a threesome? I'm not going to say Liz. Damn it. <laughs> I, I, there's a line in my review which I didn't feel was spoilery, in which I said that they they paid some sort of tribute at least 
to a previous sexual act that was fairly extreme in earlier seasons. Okay. Um, I don't think it's, it's not as extreme or as explicit, yes. but it's there, and I think you might appreciate it. Okay, good. I don't mean to stigmatize anything, by the way. Like, I just, you know, it was always a part of the show I found, I found fascinating, especially because, you know, I started covering House of Cards in its first season, and as for for of all things, a tech blog. I was writing uh, for a tech site called Gigaome, and I was their basically their content person. I you know wrote about YouTube and other stuff, and so my approach to House of Cards was, what is this thing that's landed in my universe? Like you know, Netflix was a huge was a huge company that we covered, uh, and it what? How does this fit into? How does this? How does this fit? How? What is? What is this going to do? Like, is this eligible for Emmys? We. Those were questions that were being asked at that time because nobody was really sure. Is this? Is this independent television or is this a studio project? Like, how, it fell into all these weird categories that we were trying to dis- discern. And the biggest thing I just and so like yeah, having crazy sex scenes pop into the middle of the action. Uh, you know, that's not something you see a lot on YouTube, for example. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and I remember actually my, uh, when I, I was still writing for that site when, I, when season two came out. And season two, I remember really responding to because season one felt like this, almost like a novelty. Season two felt like the beginning of a real, like, legacy, like a real show that could build and continue for seasons and seasons. And now it's fascinating to know that we're going to get a season five next year. And uh, in theory, we're going to get the same level of quality, at least in terms of the acting and producing. And, you know, it's, you know, it's been really interesting to just kind of watch it go forward. Um, In installments, I didn't get to binge view the history of uh, House of Cards. Maybe that's why. Maybe I mean, that was a. It's been an enjoyable experience. Well, it's worth noting too that you know you saying um, kind of what you said about about season two being the the kickoff point for a larger story and and you know understanding you know hey this thing could really go on. I, I do feel and I've talked. I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I do feel like there's a lot of people out there who, after watching season three held the firm belief that it should have ended after season two that you know if if they have one bad season then it's just over then it's just you know it's not going to come back and you know if we're gonna if i have to use or if you know we're going to use the the topic of the day which is the crazy sex scenes those may not come back like they may never have as many insane crazy sex scenes but speaking to what you mentioned before when we didn't know how to define the show it's help define everything else everything since then all of these you know streaming shows that have popped up all these new original series owe some sort of debt to house of cards and its success with the emmys and i think what's happened now with season four is they've taken a stance and said this is going to be a good show we are going to make sure that this is a good show for years to come we are going to earn our place at the table with the tv academy we are going to try to make sure that this thing can actually win you know, it can it can get Kevin Spacey as an Emmy. It'll get Robin Wright an Emmy. It'll get Best Drama Series. Like it's going to compete in that way. And uh, um, I mean, I I don't know if that's exactly what people signed up for after they spent the first two seasons with it. But it's damn for sure worth watching. It's it's not something that should have ended after two years. I mean, they had a perfect ending, but yeah, I totally see what you're saying. And 
No, I, I love what I love the fact. I love what your point about the fact that with, without House of Cards, would Transparent and other programs like that be in the in the conversation for awards season? And you know what? Maybe it was like the big play that this was that made it possible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's when you watch it now, you know, and when you watched it then, it still felt like it felt like an HBO show, which is what they were striving for. Right, and. And you know, from that point on, if if Netflix, if a streaming network, if an online network, whatever they want to call themselves, can have a show of the quality of HBO, then that means all their other content should be treated similarly, not necessarily as the same thing, not as you know a prestige drama, but that means you need to be able to take their comedies seriously. They all qualify for that kind of respect, and that's what's kind of helped push everything forward. I mean, I think what it comes down to is because you know, Netflix takes it seriously, you know, it's, it's, it's respect earns respect. Right. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think if Netflix has respected the, with, with, with things like House of Cards, Netflix has shown respect for the audience. The audience has responded. It's shown respect for the Academy. The Academy has responded. Um, but I will miss you crazy sex scenes. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to speak too much. I don't know what's going to happen in season five. I'm just, you know, just flat this. out orgy, flat yeah. out orgy. Netflix has has set the standard there too, so we yes. might see Oh, good lord! Everyone thinks I'm a pervert now. That's great. <laughs> I'm not a pervert. I just like what <laughs> I just like to watch. What's weird about that? No, nothing. Nothing's weird about that, Liz. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. But so, you be you. Well, so we'll have a proper report on whether or not taking your time with House of Cards compares to the binging experience. I'll try to. We can, we can maybe follow up on that next week. Uh, but so far, it seems like it, the thing is, I it is House of Cards has been a show. It sounds like for both of us, it it was a pleasure to binge. Yes, absolutely. All right, so uh, take that advice. Take that advice, however you like it, or you know, do whatever you want because that's what Netflix wants you to do. Watch it how you <laughs> want to watch it. <laughs> exactly. Um, in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you saw last week? Um, okay, so I need to I need to cheat a little bit. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try to get two in here because okay. last week I made a mistake and I don't I, I I mentioned how Bosch was coming out last week and guess what I was wrong. That's why it's not out yet. Nice. <laughs> it comes out this Friday. I was given uh, incorrect information by a website I typically trust. Um, but no, I, I I still stand by everything I said with Bosch. I'm sorry if I got you all excited and now you have, had to wait a week. I apologize for that, but it's going to be worth it. It's still good. So just you know, tune in for Bosch. Um, and then the other one, uh, I'm I'm cheating a little bit because I've seen the first two episodes of this. Again, it was back at the TCAs. I love this show, and I just want to make sure people are talking about it, especially since we've already said Emmys like six times on this podcast. Well, probably ten times on this podcast. The Americans is coming back, you guys. Yay! It's Ben's fa- most favoriteest thing in the world. It's fantastic. I don't know if any of you, I don't know why anyone would think that the Americans would ever not be fantastic. Uh, it's still fantastic. So uh, get ready for that. That's Wednesday, like March 16th or, yeah, I think it's the 16th. Um, again, don't trust me on those dates. You can Google it yourself. But uh, I've seen the content and the content absolutely holds up. So both of those are the best things I saw not last week, <laughs> but Liz, but, what do, what do you have for us that that can save me a little bit? Well, uh, not, uh, basically, I have to preface this with with a disclaimer that I probably would I I might not have watched this if I didn't know someone 
if I didn't have a dear friend who was involved with it. Uh, so this is this is definitely like you know this is definitely a biased opinion, like all opinions. But this one is uh, a little weirder than usual. Anyways, so True TV, which is really trying to make do some interesting stuff in the comedy realm, and I you know respect to that. They have a show called Those Who Can't, uh, which features a sketch comedy troupe uh, doing doing the teachers. Uh, the bad behaving teachers thing, uh, but there's a lot of fun stuff there, and they've also do- they've also just launched as of last week a show called Late Night Snack, uh, and it's presented by Rachel Dratch. It's Rachel Dratch's Late Night Snack officially, and the premise it's the premise is there it's just a collection of sketches, animated, uh, live action, some you know pretty random stuff, uh, and. It's, it makes it makes for a real it's a really well curated assortment of comedy uh, and uh, I my, my personal shout out is for the uh, the sketch series uh, passive aggressive history which is in fact the thing my friend is involved with but it's a really funny deadpan look at like historical events and what if the people involved were just giant whiny bitches and they <laughs> didn't commute and they just it's so like the first one is about uh, it's Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin in the caps in Apollo 11 going to the moon, and which one of us should go out first, <laughs> and you know be the first guy on the moon? You know that's kind of a big deal. A little bit, a little, little bit. bit. So, anyways, it's very funny. You should check it out, uh, even in piecemeal form or as a full package, because actually the whole package is pretty well put together. There's a lot of funny stuff in there. So, uh, late night snack, Rachel Dratch. Totally, yeah, is, totally biased opinion. How is Rachel Dratch actually like? Does she host, or does she have? Is she part of the sketches sometimes, or like how is she actually involved? Actually, it's really interesting. So the way they, the way it's constructed is, she's essentially like essentially there are interstitials uh, featuring her working at a diner, and it's completely it's completely dialogue free. It's just her like in a di- in a waitress uniform serving people food. And the thing that the thing about Rachel Dratch is that she is so goddamn funny yeah. that you all you don't need to give her anything except like maybe a, a plate of pancakes, and she will find the find a really hilarious moment in in just putting that in front of a person. That I don't know. It's like it's like watching a master at work. Well, uh, that's that sounds perfect because I mean there's just a, a too long of a period where we just weren't seeing Rachel Dratch at all. She just kind of dropped off the map a little bit and you know she's i've she's been popping back up over the last few years and it's been always a joy whenever she sneaks into something um so when i actually got those screeners in my inbox too and i have them singled out you know for the next chance i get because i was like rachel drash is doing something i've got to watch that yeah and and yeah i can i can verify that the other sketches are really good uh there's like jama mays uh uh does a reinterpretation of little red riding hood uh in animated form that's really funny yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Nice, in it. nice. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. I, I mean, obviously, I trust you too, Liz. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but you trust Rachel Dratch more, and that's fine. Well, uh, I mean, it's Rachel Dratch. Yeah, that's fair. No, I would, I would expect nothing less. What's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to is one that I think we've talked about already on this podcast, but I haven't been able to watch it yet. It's coming out this Friday. Uh, Liz has actually seen a little bit of it already. But I am excited to see Flaked on Netflix again, another mm-hmm. Netflix show. Actually, this is a big month for Netflix. They've got a lot coming out. Um, <laughs> yeah, get ready to binge, Liz. Uh, uh, 
But no, this is uh, this is Will Arnett. He's he's back with Mitch Hurwitz, uh, you know, from Rust Development fame. Uh, there's only eight episodes coming out, but uh, but it's it's basically kind of it looks like his like dramedy version of his own show. Like he's he's the he's the lead in it. It's in uh, Los Angeles. He's you know cracking a few jokes here and there, but he's definitely on some sort of uh, you know journey emotionally speaking. So um, it's it will be interesting to see how far away it it gets from kind of what you expect from those kind of shows. Uh, but with Will Arnett, he's also somebody that I do trust, even when he bombs, like even when he makes just those terrible, terrible shows, um, he's still really, really good in them. Like he has a very strong sense of, of timing and, and, uh, and, and just good screen presence as well. So I'll be very curious to see what he's done with these, these first eight eps. Yeah. I will say that totally, it's very much in line with the dramedy. It does not go for hard jokes all that often. Mm -hmm. And it is, it, it is I don't want to say too much about it at this point because I'm kind of still kind of formulating what I think about it, having seen, I think, about three or four episodes. I'd have to double-check the exact amount uh, because... But I, the thing with Will Arnett is it is really interesting to see him challenging himself, like, as an actor. Like, this is definitely not his usual thing. This is definitely pushing him in a new direction. Uh, it's also a show with a really interesting supporting cast. Like, uh, not every name is known, but Christy Alley does show up uh, at one point. And yeah. in general, like the people he's, you know, the, it, it, it's not it's not not a cast of fa famous faces, but a lot of them are really strong performers. So it'll be interesting nice. to see if how many of them really break out. Well, let me ask you this, and this might be a little preview for for what we we talk about down the line a little bit. But just right. brief answer. Uh, which is funnier, flaked or love? I would say love right now. Okay. Because love yeah. has lo lo love at least has like strong comedic elements, like the whole Wichita show. Yeah, God. <laughs> uh, like there, there, there's nothing. There's no nothing really like that in flaked so far. There's a it, it, as to the best of my knowledge. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what actually is going on once we finish the whole season. Because we're right. going to watch that whole season before we review it for you guys. Because we want you to know. Yeah, we got your backs. Um, and in the meantime, Liz, what's the what are you looking forward to next? I almost asked what your best thing was again. Yeah. Sorry, no, it's all right. Uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to is also a Netflix show. Get out of here! Yeah, I'm gonna confess. I've seen the first six episodes of Daredevil, and I want to see more. Who? Actually, if I seen the first seven, I think I might have seen the first seven. Uh, but there's a lot of dirt. They gave us a lot of Daredevil, but they haven't given us all of it, and. Uh, I am I'm reserving official judgment, but there's a lot of there's there's a lot of interesting stuff happening this season. We'll see how it actually ends up playing. Uh, again, another show w w lacking in crazy sex stuff. Uh, God damn it! Come on, guys. Yeah, I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time yelling at television lately because not enough people are having sex. <laughs> Liz just sitting in her apartment yelling at the screen. Do it! Just do it already. Oh, I do it in the office too. Well, yeah. Poor, poor, our poor coworker Steve has been 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 party to many. It's more like they're in, in the case of Daredevil's for that they're teasing out some will they or won't they's that you know don't uh, necessarily need to be teased out. Those can be painful. Yeah. You gotta you gotta do those right, or I mean, you you do just start ending up yelling at the screen profanities, even like just really yeah. ridiculous things. Yeah, but. exactly. It's not about sex; it's about love. I just want everyone yeah. to love each other and be happy. Yeah, everybody love everybody. Yeah. Just the moon had it right. Yeah. 
It's beautiful. Uh, also beautiful is IndieWire.com where you can find reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you love to read uh, about your favorite thing, which is television. It's your favorite thing, right? Right? Yes, it is. I answered for you. And, you know, if it's not for some really weird reason, Ugh. even if it is really because it crosses over into, you know, all these different areas, make sure you're listening to our, our dear friends and colleagues, Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn on Screen Talk. Um, the Oscars have wrapped up. We're moving into some some good festival dates. South by Southwest is you know right around the corner. They've got a lot of good stuff to be talking about on that podcast, as does our editor-in-chief, Dana Harris, with IndieWire Influencers. Um, I know she's got a lot of good stuff coming up, so you're going to want to make sure to listen to both of those. Even, I mean, even if all you care about is TV, then, you know, they're going to get into that too sometimes. So, so make sure you're on it. No, uh, actually, a shout out for Screen Talk. They're going to be doing a live episode at South by Southwest. So, oh, that's right. Look at the details yes. on that. I believe it's not during the uh, Obama keynote. So, that's all <laughs> you really need to know. Uh, I mean, if you had to choose between President Obama and Michelle Obama and the First Lady and, and Eric Cohen and, and Ann Thompson, who are like the gross. President and First Lady of. Uh, of IndieWire, really. So yeah, uh, so that's that's an easy pick. I, yeah. I'm sure that that the uh, the first family checked to make sure that they weren't going to conflict with IndieWire's pre-established schedule. Otherwise, they would have they would have ducked out. Of course, um, and uh, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T Travers, and you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet with an I and an E. Correct. We'll be back next week talking about television, and in the meantime, you guys keep watching it. Thank you.